0: The Marvels, General Orders World War II, and Davy Jones Locker, The Kraken Wakes. This is
1: staying in. So um Sam. Mm. Hello. You had you had Canarian potatoes when we last spoke. You'd had them. Yeah. You wax lyrical about them. Yeah. I think this has been the year of the potato. We've had the um hash brown chips. Yeah. hmm um, I have just had a type of potato I've never had before, Ooh. and it's not one that is common. I was going to so say, please ma- don't say jacket or new. No, <laughs> I had potatoes as a baby.
0: This um, Maris Maris Piper. I think Maris it's Piper.
2: My wife will only eat Vivaldi potatoes from Sainsbury's, and it's an issue.
0: Have you tried oh, to sneak gosh. in a, a Maris yes, Piper and just she, see if you find that? She-
2: and she notices she notices in a plate of annoying. potatoes there's one because i like point to right here's a kilo of potatoes down here for two quid or we can buy four vivaldi's for one pound 93. what vivaldi
1: all oh, right okay <laughs> i suppose they're, they're they're basically like the potato equivalent of pink ladies aren't they
2: <laughs> pretty much yeah like yeah, yeah.
1: um so uh, yeah so this isn't a, this isn't like um what do you call it a breed of potato or a species of potato. It's a more of, of a. breed of potato. That is really, really disturbing. <laughs> Let's just forget that. Um, it's, it's, just, it's a
2: You go. Sorry, i have got to go a bit deeper on this. You go to a farm. And the <laughs> farmer's just got two potatoes alone in a greenhouse. Have you yeah. have you not met
1: potato breeders? <laughs> we're
2: just we're just we're just leaving. Them be we're just hoping they make... Yeah. <laughs> Make a new potato.
1: That's it. It's vegetable husbandry. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, it's it's a way in which potato is cooked. All right. Like canary potato. Yeah. Like yeah. So yours were salt baked, weren't they, Sam? Yeah, That's salt correct. baked with mojo sauce. With mo with Mo and Joe together, mojo sauce, courtesy of Lanzarote. So this is this is a new way of I've, I've never had potatoes like this before.
2: Uh, did you have to
1: cut them? no these weren't cut okay so you so whole potato did you make it or you served it my partner made this Mm.
2: was it an accident
1: no intentional i mean i'm at a loss to think of a new way to eat a potato but exactly as was i sam but i found out today that two plus two can equal five did you have hasslebacks hasslebacks no, I've made Hasselbacks a few times. No, it wasn't Hasselbacks. Was it like a spiral? No, no, these weren't spiralized. This was these were Danish potatoes that were caramelised. Oh my! It's like a like a toffee potato. Basically, yes, Dan. It's almost like a toffee apple, but a toffee potato, but not that rock solid, like warm, so that the caramel but, yeah. is actually, you know, like a glaze almost. And did you have them with something, or is this, or is it just? Yes, we did. We had it with apples and onions, oh, okay, which had been kind of like fried together, and with uh, pork, pork on the top, a pork loin on the top of that, and these potatoes mm, on the side. Okay. Can
0: I ask how how are they? Uh, what's the, what's the display method? Are they chopped into
1: cubes? Are they sliced? Are they? Are we talking roast potato no, chunkies or what? These are like these are like your baby potatoes. Okay, just in a pan and a lovely caramel, and it was extraordinary, and it was an assault on the senses it really really was I mean I didn't know what I was going to expect from Danish cuisine I mean apparently they don't have these potatoes every night of the week these are like for like Christmas and stuff well yeah yeah obviously yeah you'd see
2: (laughs) it's not um, like um, they go to pull up the Danish McDonald's it's like what dip do you want with your chips do you want ketchup do you want mayonnaise or do you want Twix caramel yeah (laughs) Twix caramel Have, have, have I ever told you guys about the the most decadent potatoes I ever saw on
1: a cooking show once. I mean, thankfully your wife didn't see them because that could have been a game changer. <laughs> it was No, no you didn't. So so hang on. So you, you watched a few it sh- was this Master chef No, it, a wasn't, MasterChef. it wasn't it
2: wasn't Master Chef. It was like Sunday morning with um, what's his name? Martin uh, yeah. uh
1: someone. James Martin. James Martin, there we go. As past the Martin Clunes. Or Martin Sheen. <laughs> Martin Sheen Martin Lewis,
2: <laughs> Martin Short, and um, there was a, he, he had a chef mate on, and he said, "Right, I'm going to make now the most, the ultimate roast potato." And I was like, "Come on, like we all know the tricks, mate. You know, you parboil, you rustle them up in your pan, really hot, it. duck fat oil, get them so they get the outside really crispy mm-hmm. and the inside really fluffy. We all know how to make a good roast potato, whatever." But he took it. One step further, and I was not prepared for
0: what he did to this potato, and I'm still unsure Dan, about what Dan, it. what
1: are you imagining? Dan, what are you envisaging now? Sam's teed this up. How do you how do you go even more than that? I mean,
0: I think he's he's already teed up the fact that there's only so much you could do with a roast potato. So I'm imagining more kind of just like theatre around it. It's like there's a there's a there's a group of people coming on serenading him as he's tossing salt on top of the potatoes.
1: I mean, decadent for me. What when you think of decadence and food, I'm thinking like saffron i'm thinking I'm truffle thinking caviar uh, truffle oil oh. yes
0: mm. no i'm thinking shaved truffles
2: <laughs> i mean you're all you're, you're both wrong so what he did was okay he made he made roast potatoes the way that i've just described and then just before they were finished to, finishing cooking he took them out of the oven waited for them to cool down opened them up removed the potato from inside Mashed that potato with butter, cream, sugar, milk, then put that potato back (laughs) inside the
0: roast potato,
2: and then finished off the cooking. So (laughs) it was like a roast potato, but with a fluffy mashed potato, creamed mashed potato interior.
1: He, he must be hell to live with, you know, with the kids and stuff. <laughs> yeah, just roast potatoes. No, you don't have to do that, Gary.
0: You don't have to open up every single one of them. We're cooking for 14.
1: There we go. When my students arrive in first year, a lot of them have never really cooked before for themselves. So one of the first things I get them to do is to swap a meal with everyone around the room. So they leave having like a week's worth of meals and not just the same meal each day. What was your go-to signature dish? Uh,
2: university at university it was tuna it was pasta it was cheese it was sweet corn (laughs) swirl it all up and then a packet of discos
0: (laughs) well I think in my in my first year in my first year actually no sorry in my second and third year I would actually be quite similar like tuna pasta cucumber tuna mayonnaise cucumber all mixed up and you could just do a big batch of that and yummy 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 first year it would have been something like super noodles like I would have just had like a cupboard full like my parents would used to come up every couple of months and they would bring a box of like because they obviously just assumed i wasn't eating even though i was but i in my halls there was a there was a kind of a, a restaurant and i used the term restaurant in the loosest possible sense um but they, that's what they called <laughs> oh, yeah. it um but yeah they come with like a box full of super noodles and cup of soups so and anything that could be
1: made with a kettle in the in your room good lord yeah gosh Mine was probably something pasta related. I think, like you, Dan, for the first term, I had super noodles. But I think I lost about a stone in weight because it was just they were just they're kind of just air, basically. Those things are. I do Um, I do distinctly uh,
0: remember, and this is this is how much I at at the time I felt it was a low point. I distinctly remember one like night for dinner, I literally just had a bowl of beans because I didn't have anything (laughs) else. I just had a tin of beans. So I felt like I poured the entire tin of beans into a bowl and put it in the microwave. 'Cause like right. we're on Mon Halls at this point. Um and yeah, right. I just had a bowl of beans. And at that point I was like, I know this isn't good. I
2: know. Right. Chris, Chris, no. Chris. Wait Chris for the aid package from your parents. <laughs> Chris. Now I think this is I don't know why I've deemed this important, but I feel like it I think <laughs> I'm like, it's a small point which will determine really how low Dan got. Was he eating those beans with a fork or a spoon? <laughs> <laughs> Because one is slightly refined and one is kind of like really just giving up and
1: just eating like them like cereal, or, yeah, or a wooden
0: spoon. <laughs> well, I, well, I definitely used the utensil. I wasn't kind of like sipping it. Um, oh,
1: good lord! <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> oh, if there was a fork or a spoon. Top of beans, <laughs> but, uh, but I also know in your in your accommodation that you didn't really have much in the way of a kitchen. A memory service. we did not know. So I think that no, and and I also know that your accommodation was, and I heard this. Modelled on a Swedish present. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, at the time of recording, it's yeah. Christmas Eve. It is. It Merry is. Merry Christmas Eve, everyone. Uh, now, yeah, it's Christmas Eve. Is and it? Sam and I, you, man, you and I managed to kind of meet up.
2: Well, yeah, uh, you know... You know, like like all of us, well, not like all of us, for some reason you're a very, very difficult man to pin down and I tried my best to book you in at a time close to your birthday, wasn't possible. So uh
1: yeah, I I booked you in a couple of weeks ago. Here we are. Here we are, yes. Which was great. I got to hang out with you and your son. For a play session. Yeah. Which was lovely as always. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a little trip to the bakery. Oh, it was so funny, Dan. We went to the bakery um, with Sam's uh, wife and son. All of us got something from the bakery, apart from Sam. He walked ten meters out of the bakery and he, could, he just stopped. And his wife's knew straight away. Well, you want to go and get something, don't you? Said, no, 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 it'll be all right. It'll be all right, right. I'll have some. I'll have something when I get back home. And he could see me my, you know, Santa Claus with jam in it. You know, this like <laughs> sort of smiley face. <laughs> And moped on his way home but we managed to play some games together it's really really nice yeah. um i was particularly excited because i managed to get to the table a game that i backed on kickstarter a year ago that arrived thankfully um, a cooperative pirate game i love cooperative games as we know listener i love pirate games yes i love all things piratical apart from you know illegally downloading stuff yes and And this is Davy Jones' Locker, The Kraken Wakes, by Zach and Katie Jacob. But it's important to note Katie Jacob, whose name doesn't appear on the BGG page. Oh. Um, And their publisher, Pudcat Games, that's the name of the company. And essentially, Dan, the game is this. You're building a team uh, to kill a monster, which is a kraken. And you can do that with a player count of one to five. And... Yes, there is a large kraken terrorising the high seas and we as players have, even with our respective ships, have to tool up and take down this monster. And Sam said something that was really poignant when we started playing. Well, actually, no, it was about halfway through. Did I? You you looked up to me and you said... Actually, you didn't look up to me, although I do think you do, do look up to me. Uh, you looked over to me and you said, this is the Jaws board game that Pete wanted. Yeah. And yeah. that is, I think in a nutshell, that's what it is. Now, Jaws is a game by Ravensburger designed by Prospero Hall. is a design that we love. I love Jaws. Yep. Um, Pete gave me the copy after playing it once. He said he didn't like it. <laughs> and similarly, um, you are you're on the hunt for a monster. And similarly to um, Davy Jones' Locker, The Kraken Wakes, it's played over two acts. And each of those acts takes place on one side of the board. And both games start off with something a bit more expansive. So in the case of Jaws, uh, the shark is in the sea and you're trying to run around the island, saving people on the beaches, whilst trying to depower the shark somewhat. In this case, you're trying to, in David Jones' locker, you're trying to, um, over six rounds, which is a problem, but still, with limited time, you have to travel across the the board, exploring islands, visiting the markets, And each of these four islands favours a particular um, stat that you have on your player board. And those stats are sailing, i.e. how far you can move across the board per action, attacking, how many dice you can roll to attack, hull, how many dice you can roll to defend, and repair, which is how good you are at being able to repair your ship when it gets damaged, and lastly integrity, which is your life. And then on the second half, you flip the board over and then you the Kraken appears, and it's these nice little chunky miniatures with tentacles and everything, and you have to take down the Kraken. That's the game in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially a video game boss battle in Act Two. Yeah, um, where well, it, it's a, it's, he- it, it's very much
2: like a, a video game boss battle in 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 a sense because the first half of the game is a bit like you know when you wander into a room and there's suddenly lots of ammo and health and you're just like oh <laughs> oh no yeah kill room yeah 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 I'd <laughs> like this is this is preparing me for something i do not feel prepared for and then suddenly you walk through a door you cross over a threshold and it's a
1: big it's a big big boss a gate closes behind you yeah yeah um and and, and it's a it is a literal game of two halves but like that boss battle thing where you've got these tentacles in the water that can follow your ships around the board you could go straight to the head and start attacking that but if you take out the tentacles that depowers the kraken so it's weaker it's more vulnerable to attacks and there's that kind of sweet spot like if i go too close to the center of this maelstrom this whirlpool am i going to be able to get out of it before the kraken um attacks me and it, yeah, it's 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 quite long, it's quite mean. I think we both agreed, Sam, that we'd have preferred the first act to be a bit longer. Yeah, because we quite, i think you quite enjoyed that kind of merchants and marauders esque sandbox type game.
2: Yeah, I think I think the the first half, but then, but I don't know because then because the first half and the second half sort of, you know, sort of inform each other. I I think that. I think I only sort of missed the first half or thought it was a bit too short because uh, I I enjoyed it quite a lot. And then once we got into battle in the Kraken, I was enjoying that too. And actually, I felt, I think that if we played it again, I think I'd get a lot more out of the game because I felt like the first half felt a bit too short because I thought I was going to be underpowered for when the Kraken came up. But actually we put up a really decent fight between between the two of us. We did. Um So I think that uh in future playthroughs I'll be a bit more prepared for it. I think that this this game sort of it's is a very, very typical Kickstarter game. It's, it comes in a very, very heavy box. There's lots of plastic, crack and pieces, there's a, a dice for everything. It's not just cardboard coins, they're solid gold not solid gold but they're solid so it all feels a little bit unnecessary at times and i think that where the first half sort of falls down and where i felt like i kind of wanted it to be in it a little bit longer is i think the first half will be different every time you play it and because there are just so many random elements that can happen during the first half there's a bit of randomization in terms of um, events that occur there's randomization in terms of um, cards you pull from the market or things that you find when you explore and so because of that I think that I just wanted to see a bit more of what the first half was going to offer in terms of those experiences I mean like you had like pirate ships and you had um like navy vessels that apparently were going to come and take us down and we we just encountered none of them none of them ever came out onto the board
1: yeah because there is this deck of cards called the open seas open waters deck where essentially dad anytime you move across open sea you have to draw one of these cards and it, it's quite a sizable deck and the beautiful thing about that is replayability so there was stuff that I encountered in my game with Sam that I'd not encountered before and it was great because I had these pieces in the box I think what do these pieces do and suddenly oh my gosh it's this Yeah. Um, but what that meant for us is that we just went from shop to shop
0: tooling up and then the Kraken came out and do you, do you think that the shortness of that because obviously although it's a, it sounds like it's a very kind of 50-50 game the setup the setup up the boss battle doesn't sound like a very long game so I don't think it doesn't strike me as narrative being a big thing but do you think because it's because of that first half being short because the concept feels very narratively driven kind of thing the idea of being mm-hmm. able to set up and you're going up against oh, this yeah. big monster this mythical beast all this stuff you can imagine lots of kind of world building that could be happening And i don't mean that in a sense of like it's a seven hour game or something like that but i just mean there's a lot more you could do with that and you think if that if that period of because you say like six rounds if that was longer would that have enabled you to have just Really invested a bit more into that narrative and would have then obviously made the second half much more impactful because there are stakes, so to speak. It's but but then it's a difficult balance because
2: if the first act was slightly longer, you might get too powerful, and then the second act isn't as fun because you just breeze over the Kraken and it's not a challenge. The Kraken's got to be got to be a challenge. So, I, I, you know, I understand the way it is, you're sort of rolling the dice on whether you're going to get a very, very exciting game or you're going to get yeah. a very,
1: sort of, not average, but a very, very good game. But I mean, there are two things I really loved in this game that I've not seen before, really. And I really it made me feel that I really enjoyed this kind of cooperative experience. One was in Act 1, one was in Act 2. So in Act 1, Sam's already alluded to it, searching for treasure. What's quite lovely about this, Dan, is that there's an option. You can either look, look go for a shipwreck, when there's two shipwrecks on the board, or you can kind of go hunting for treasure. But in both instances, what happens is that one player can't do this alone, another player has to do this with them, and that other player has to be within four spaces of you. And what happens is, and it feels almost like an RPG, uh, one person dives down to the wreck, and the other person's there to support them. And then, if you succeed, you decide how to split the loot between you. And it generally feels quite nice and collaborative. We've done this adventure. The second thing I really loved, and it was in Act Two, was, and I know it's a big bugbear of Sam, it's a bugbear of many people, is player elimination. Because yeah. in Act One, you, your ship can't sink, but Act Two, what happens is, and this happened to us. So I thought I was quite, I felt I was the more powerful ship, um, but my ship sank and it caught me off guard. The Kraken took me out and I sank. And I can swim towards Sam as actions, or Sam can come to me, but when I get on his ship, what happens is I flip my player board and I have a map of his ship, and that's now Sam's ship. So while Sam is moving around the board, you know, thinking of the bigger picture, chasing down the Kraken and its tentacles and doing his typical actions, I'm on his ship asking him, okay, what do you need more stuff? Like Scotty in the Enterprise and i'm i'm rolling dice now to move or using my action sorry to move across this model of the ship to support him instead of in, in the areas such as sailing um bolstering his ship because he's about to take a massive bit of damage or increasing his firepower of cannons and and i have to make that i've got this really interesting puzzle of those choices i make now and i feel like i'm doing something it still feels cooperative mm-hmm. and i don't feel like i'm alienated or out of the game and i really really like that experience that was probably my favorite bit that, that
0: does sound that sounds really interesting and it seems that it's a very fine balance it would have to walk but both parts of the game feel like they could be longer because I can imagine that second half with, with the Kraken being a situation where if what you're saying happens there where someone your, your ship has, has been sank and you then move on to the other ship that's a really lovely evolution of the gameplay as it goes on and obviously if you're able to kill the Kraken too soon you don't, you don't get that um, I, I think also, um, as you're kind of talking, I'm imagining kind of the four of us playing it, or just kind of a large amount of people playing it. I can absolutely see how the kind of the the fun and the the narrative elements would come into it, where one of us feels like a maverick and wants to go straight for the front. Probably Pete wants mm-hmm. to go straight in there, <laughs> where the others are kind of like, oh, he's off again. He's and then he then his ship gets sank and he has to retreat, kind of tail between his legs. Um, and I can really see that with that working really quite well. I do think from from what I've seen, it's a very simple um, effect, but the kind of the idea of the pieces of the tentacles coming out at different points on the map is a really lovely visual yeah. of that. And kind of like having kind of the, the kraken in the centre, and then at various different kind of hexagonal kind of spaces, having these different tentacles coming up really gives that idea. And I'm I'm guessing they kind of move as the game progresses yes. so you have yeah. that that mm-hmm. that feeling of of movement from that and constantly you're having to move you're having to adapt and all that stuff and it says to me that it just i think the, the whole game just needs a little bit of space to breathe by the sounds of it i think whether or not what you can do to kind of get the the, the back with the kraken a little bit longer without it becoming repetitive as i say that's a very very fine line to, to walk you want to push it as long as you can before it being okay we need to do this bit again and then this bit again just to allow those narrative elements those bits where you're on different people's ships that whole thing of you trying to tactically outmaneuver this beast and when that becomes a big thing that's also then supported by this this enhanced earlier phase um it kind of maybe feels like a, like a a first version of the game that then needs almost not so much a legacy edition but like an, an enhancer uh, like let's throw a load of kind of add-ons onto it that really actually makes it sing
1: it's it's interesting because like based on what sam was saying there it's the same reaction i had when i first played above and below that ryan lockett game you very kindly bought me where there are these lovely bits of story on the cards and i always felt the game ends too soon but the beauty thing beautiful thing about that is it, it means you're going to play it more because there's more of the story all the time for you to kind of discover like there's little bits of there's, there's, I like the fact still there are cards I've still not encountered yet. There are open sea cards I've still not flipped yet. There's new surprises for me still yet to discover in this game, and it clocks in I think in about a lean ninety minutes. Which if you compare that to say Merchants and Marauders, which I think we spoke about on episode one five one of the pod, um, which is which is a bit more of a relaxed. Uh, an enjoy, enjoyable kind of experience, but uh, it, it's, it doesn't have that narrative kind of push of okay, we're teaming up together to take down this monster. And it's also
2: it's it's strange how attached you get to your ship, and how quickly personal you feel ab- about it and what it's capable of, and the people that you hire in the first half as well. And so, you know, I, I take what you're saying, Dan, and I and I think you got a point in terms of you know if this the, you know the fight with the kraken is one you know is is one of many and stretched over a, a certain period of time and you've got a bit more time to go away lick your wounds build something a bit better and then come back and fight it again i think there's definitely capacity for for this kind of game to to reach into those into those spaces narratively because there's there's enough in here and so, and, and and a part of me thinks it's a, it's to its detriment the 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 amount of stuff that's in, its bo- in this box. Um, but I think part of it is also a massive boon to it as well because of how different every game could turn out being. Um, I mean, we've we, we spoken about how difficult Chris is to pin down. He's such a such a social butterfly. I mean, he's... Uh, uh, I don't know if this is the forum to bring this up, but Danny stopped inviting me to go and watch Marvel movies with him. <gasps> yeah oh christopher don't, don't, don't get the invites anymore
1: you've been through so much together i i did say that i'd happily watch the film with you Sam. But, again um, again again you know not the, not the
2: first time you know no I, 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 I,
1: do you know what i was literally thinking about this the other day one of my <laughs> big regrets in life and it's a lovely thing to be at the stage where this is my one of my big regrets in life is not seeing endgame with you Sam. well genuinely that would that, that that regret will I think it's fair to say, haunt me. I'd go to the cinema with you, Sam. Thanks.
0: When we were in London, when we were in London, we play we paid about seventy quid to go watch the
1: first Hobbit film. In we did hundred whatever frames <laughs> oh per second gosh. in London. Yep. Um, no, but like, yeah, and also, I'm, I'm, I obviously I miss the Griff, Sam. You know, yes. I really do. Yeah. Uh, now I know what you're alluding to here. You're alluding to <laughs> the new hotness uh is hotness the right word no i think it's a hot i think it's a, i think it's a hot film but the mm. rest of the world doesn't seem to no They're looking at its box office takings um, this is the marvels now i think context is needed if you've, listen, if you've been living in a cave for the past year and a half uh marvel's not popular anymore it seems <laughs> uh it's, it's become a bit of a stinker for many um in part, this is well placed at Man. Um, and the wars of quantum mania in other areas i think it's just become quite fashionable um to put the boot in in uh just for the sake of putting the boot in i think i think there has been a there has been a noticeable dip on average on the quality of marvel properties um dan you've seen this as well the marvels this is coming from um, a new director uh, brie larsa reprises their role uh, as does tiana paris Yep. And Anna Villani, who we've spoken about beforehand with their respective DC plus TV, Disney plus TV series.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. So I saw that. Um, I had a, like a random like Friday night where like, I didn't have to look after the kids and stuff. And I was like, I might just go to the cinema. Uh, and I just, I'd not planned on going to the cinema. I looked and like Marvel's, the Marvel's was out that day. I was like, all right, I'll do this. So I'd seen, I'd seen a an a trailer for it just a few days prior. And The trailers looked had looked fine, but the trailer I'd seen was like the final trailer and it opens mm. with like slow motion black and white of Tony Stark's final moments in Endgame and Captain America standing with his shield and Thanos saying I am inevitable and I'm thinking Oh, Marvel! You're not confident about this. You're, you're. We're still dying. You're going back to the well here. This is a bad sign that you aren't confident. And the trailer then goes through, kind of like, get ready for the moment that changes everything. And I'm like, I me watching, thinking, there's not going to be a moment that changes everything. But I'm kind of intrigued about what you're trying to sell as being the moment that changes everything. Um, And I'm kind of curious as to kind of is there a reason why you're kind of pulling up these kind of the high point of the marvel cinematic universe in this spoilers there's there's no there's nothing to do with iron man captain america thanos That's that's just purely for the trailers to try and get people hooked um and i would never want anyone to go in there thinking that that's the case um yeah, sure but so I, so I kind of went into it i was kind of curious um kind of a bit of morbid curiosity because i've kind of been up and down with it like i said right from the off uh, at the end of the in what's referred to as the infinity saga i was kind of wanting to get off the train um and then i realized well we talk about it on the podcast so maybe i maybe should stay on the train a little bit longer um so i've kind of just rented a ticket every now and again um and I, i've liked some of the tv shows i think generally they've been good fun uh without being kind of world changing i think some of the movies <clears throat> maternals have been God awful! Oh, um, so I know we're very, I know we're trail. very different. I know we have yeah, different but, views, but, but this is the hill I'm willing to die on.
2: Um, but I think, I think Dan's gonna, Dan's gonna win out on this because I, I could bet a fair amount of money that we are never seeing the Eternals. Ever, yeah, again. sadly,
1: yeah.
0: But I think there have yeah. been some, like, there's been a few kind of little flickers, like mm-hmm. obviously something like Spider-Man, No Way Home, and all that stuff. Um, and yeah. Shang Chi. Shang Chi was 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 good without reaching the heights, but it was good. It yeah. was kind of like okay, I'm. It's a good introduction. I'm happy to see more of the character. It felt like
2: a. It felt like an Iron Man, or it felt like a, you know Captain America. Like not a great Marvel
0: movie, but a great character. And... Yeah, it's a good. I, I can see this has got somewhere it can go. Yeah. yeah. So this kind of feeds up, and we we kind of build up with following Wonder Vision, which introduced uh, the kind of the adult Monica Rambeau. And we had Miss Marvel, which introduced Kamala Khan. And this is kind of the first time in this kind of second saga, the 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 multiverse saga, where we've had these TV characters make properly making their step up. Um, we've we've had bits and pieces, but are properly making like a proper step up from their TV up to the up to the film. And I think by and large, they're that's pretty successful. I think um, I think they're good characters. I think they work well. I think Tiana Paris is is usually. Pretty great, I think. For me, kind of Iman Velani steals the show. Like every time she's on screen, I have fun. And I think yeah. it. I was trying to think of it afterwards, and like it for me, it's just a fun Marvel film. And I've I've not had a lot of fun with the Marvel films of late. No. And I think that when I walked out of it, I actually I went with um my nephew who's sixteen. I kind of just dropped him. It's like, do you want to go? To the scene? He was like, yep yeah, Pick you up in ten minutes. So we went along, and we both said the exact same thing when we walked out was like, that was much better than I expected it to be. I had a lot more <laughs> fun than I thought I was going to have. Not that I thought it was, I didn't think it was going to be bad, but I'm just, I'm so ingrained in this thing of kind of like, it's so kind of churning through everything and not really going anywhere. You have the things of like, oh, we're having more nods to a multiverse, but we're not really, we're not really dropping it yet. And we're going to touch on it again and maybe a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. And you need to eventually go for it. And at the moment, they haven't. Even with something like Multiverse of Madness, they didn't properly go for it. They just took it to a slightly off kilter version of our own world. Um, But I think it's as as a film. Like if you if you look too far into this plot, it it all falls apart. Like don't like we were having a conversation on the way home, and the more we talked about it, the less we started to like it because it does kind of fall apart under its (laughs) own weight. But as a fluffy, fun kind of night nice at the cinema, kind of enjoyable Marvel film. Of the Infinity Saga, it falls probably n- the middle ground. It's fun, it's enjoyable, it's popcorn, it's light, it's all the things you like about a Marvel film. Middle ground for the Infinity Saga, for the multiverse, it's, it's towards the top because the time flew by, it was not a long film, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Kind of some really left-field set pieces which oh, again
1: so incredible. Are fun.
0: you do sit there at times thinking what is going on in the same way that there's a number of marvel films which are set in space and set in a in a not earth-based scenario where they can have fun with it you think of the Guardians of the galaxy films they can have fun with that world and they can have fun with some of the worlds in kind of the marvels as well i i love this dan would it been would it been better if i was sat next to you Good uh, question. Well, I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do my, my nephew bad here. I had to you, you can sit next to him. All right. I, I don't think that's what Sam meant. He he listens <laughs> to the podcast. I'm not gonna see it saying, "Oh, I don't want to go with him." We had a great time. And
2: and, you, and do, does he qualify for the
0: uh, children's menu at the cinema that you go no, to? No, actually, actually, actually uh, he he doesn't qualify for the children's menu. He's sixteen. Uh, he had a uh, a tango ice blast. Oh, good lord! Which apparently is all the rage. I've never had one. I tried it and it was like, it's like a slush puppy with about six different fizzy flavours. I was like, no, thank you. Do you know in Denmark
1: they put caramel over it? <laughs> <laughs> and then a the pork pork loin on top. Oh yeah, Ooh, some onions. Now I love this film. Uh, this is for my in my money for my money. This is my favourite Marvel film of the year, hands down. Um, as you're absolutely right, Dan, I haven't had a fun of a Marvel film probably since Spider Man Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, and that was um, more of an event than it was an actual good that, film. And that was 2021. I found Guardians 3, I love the Guardians films, but I found I, I wasn't in the mood. It was so bleak, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yes, there's hope in it, but it was a bit too dark and bleak for me, and I'll probably never watch it again. It's just not the headspace, there's not what I want to read and see at the moment. Um, likewise and man of the wasp quantum mania was just i mean i love to say that you know as a man who's turning 38 tomorrow i've got to appreciate the fact that these films aren't just for white men in their late 30s but even so i did feel that that was um quite a difficult film to watch that film it just was all over the place but what does work and Actually one of the reasons why I love to have sat next to you in the cinema Sam is there is there's a needle drop in the marvels that's it's it's a marmite needle needle drop I loved it I'd be quite curious to know what you'd make of it okay um and it is it is slightly audacious there's some lovely kind of audacious moments in this which I'm not going to go into um but broadly speaking the premise is this that um the three marvels. So this is Captain Marvel, played by the fantastic Brie Larson, Taylor Paris, who from One and Miss Marvel, um, for, played by Manvalani, are entangled. So what happens is that if one of them uses their powers, they all swap places of each other. Great concept. It's Brilliant. a fantastic concept, and it means that. And I think, like so far for me, some of the best fight sequences have been in Shang Chi. And that, that yep. still holds up because I'm a big fan of that that type yeah. of dare I say very stylized martial arts in cinema that fighting,
2: but something um, that's physical and tangible and yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and it just works, not just flying around. Yeah, in the ugh. same way that I love the prequel lightsaber battles in Star Wars. I'm sorry, I don't like. <laughs> I love the prequel ones; those are my favorites. The this one has a fight scene that is so slick. Like, the music's great. Neil DeCosta's Costa's amazing filmmaker. In terms of just there's a vibrancy a kineticism it feels like it feels like almost how like you know there's there's kind of echoes there of miss marvel and i think Daniel, you're absolutely right Marvelani is the heart of this yeah and that that just is infectious you have i i don't think any other director could pull it off in the same kind of way so the fight scene sounds great because to start off with they're fighting you know one of them forgets and uses their powers and suddenly miss marvel's in space and she's like what do i yeah. do here and, and 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 he kind of comes across in the trailers and then watching these three people one of which is the auntie of the other <laughs> and and that auntie is also the role model of the young miss marvel is just gorgeous the three of them it's just gorgeous and learning to actually turn that that weakness this glitch that they're entangled with each other into a strength it's so cool to watch. It really mm. is really quite cool to watch, but this is a breath of fresh air. Yes, I want my comic book films to be fun, colourful, yeah, with heart. And and people have said this is like a CW show, and they've used that as an insult. Was actually, I think that's a strength because yeah, Greg Berlanti. The reason why he's so good at making these shows is he has those three principles. I think it's heart. I can't remember what they are, but you know, the heart of those having at, at its core, it's about good heart having a you know it has this and, and if you think about it, the reason why those some of those earlier marvel films worked really really well was because they were they were allowed to actually expose their hearts you uh-huh. know, proof that tony stark has a heart for example and the, the first iron man is literally he is like how the tin man gets his heart in the wizard of oz and 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 this is just there's so much love in this film and i out of all the films i've watched this year for marvel this is the one i want to rewatch the most
2: let's talk briefly about war huh okay what is it good for (laughs) thanks dan (laughs) come on chris absolutely nothing just not on the ball today are you come on we've we've i I, actually i don't think we ever talked about it on the podcast i think we've mentioned it war boys but we have never really mentioned what it is what we might as well just talk about it again but there is an occasion uh, where um, and Chris and I have done this for the last eight years no seven no I think it is eight is it, is, is it eight let me just check let me check the calendar but for the last uh, however many years Chris and I have always made a point of getting together around the sort of, around the sort of summertime um, to get together and put aside a day um, mm-hmm. To just play war games, and we called it War Boys. This year was our seventh year of just getting together and playing um, just war games, and um, we have a we have a sort of a compendium, a, a, a collection of games that sort of come out every year. Memoir Forty Four, um, V Commandos, um, Polis. We played one year, and um, Undaunted one of the undaunted games hogs of um, war hogs of war has now become a recent um entry into the war boys canon um but we did get to play a new game uh this most recent uh war boys uh, day which we have hinted at. at and we've put pictures up on our instagram feed of um but it's a it's a brand new game actually from the uh the designers of undaunted trevor benjamin david thompson and for some strange reason, they've they've marketed it as the the first worker placement two-player war game. Or the first worker placement war game. Which seems to me like a, a strange thing to brag about. Um, but anyway, it's called General Orders World War Two, And this is a bit like Undaunted. It's a um, strictly two-player experience. Comes in a much smaller box. It's a very, very dinky um, a game to get out. Um, just a small map that you fold out on the table between the two of you. Some little wooden pieces to hold and to and to move around the board. Some cards to play uh, at random times during the game. But but generally, it's it's a game about using commander tokens, little commander figurines, putting them on the board, doing the associated action with that commander, and then when the game ends whoever has control with their troops over certain pieces in the middle of the board um wins the game or you can end the game a bit sooner if you're able to gain control of the other person's um base or hq and i think there's what what do i want to say about this game i think i want to say that for a war game and with this much pedigree behind it for for any game with this much pedigree behind it uh, as the designers do have i think it it definitely really makes a good representation of that level of design on the table it is a very good game to play it's very slight it goes very very fast if games about a slow ramp up intention and a a rise to a particular denouement is your kind of thing, then I think a game like this, General Orders World War II, is um, exceptional in its design. I don't think I've played a game recently where it really feels like the tension manages to slowly build so consistently throughout the game until you very much get to a bit where you are do nothing but clashing between components. the early stages of the game there's a bit of toing and froing a bit of like just dipping your toes into the water maybe having a few battles but not really getting too involved just doing some things to build up your squads and before going out into the middle of the board where there's a lot more points and sort of scoring opportunities on offer and then suddenly by the end of the game it's just all clashing all vying for points and all just reaching a, a crescendo which i think in any board game is a particularly difficult move to pull off and for it to happen consistently over several games and General Orders World War II pulls that off in spades. And yeah, I think I don't know I don't know what you what you um, what you think about it, Chris, but I feel like it it's just one of those games that in the midst of other games of its ilk, other war games specifically, feels very refreshing to play. And feels very different and very uh doesn't feel cumbersome or dragged down by its particular theming shall we say
1: um well, I think for me it's a tight game you are right play is about thirty minutes yeah, and as a consequence um the board is quite the board is quite small and tight as a consequence but in instances it feels like a nice little tug of war between the two of us um and it's largely abstracted places you'll be using wooden discs yes there's like wooden pieces of airplanes but the the bulk of the the kind of components you're working with are wooden discs in your respective color but what offsets that is the incredible art from alex green which really does pop on the table and also one thing i really do appreciate is yes the board is small but the cards aren't the cards are a standard size card with that art taking a path of it so even though on the board yes these are wooden discs the imagery on the cards which is beautiful again from alex green in addition to that text stops it feeling almost like an an elaborate version of chess say for example but equally also it's not so much dripping with theme that you're kind of annoyed when it ends very soon after 13 minutes oh you've done it already oh okay sorry um we can play this on my kitchen table. I have quite a small kitchen table at the moment because I'm currently doing up my kitchen, and to have a war game which feels like a war game that will fit amply on my kitchen table um, is a wonderful thing, really. And uh, yes, I, I know we've spoken about similar war game titles, perhaps like Airland and Sea or Blitzkrieg, for example, which we enjoyed very much at the time. Um, but we that's not they're not part of our circulation anymore in, in terms of War Boys um for whatever reason i think just having an actual board there with cards um it's very useful in terms of just making it feel like an event yeah to a degree in this context i also think i'm I, I don't have the analysis paralysis it's like it's it's asking a little bit more of me than say air land and sea um but i could but it, it Unlike Blitzkrieg, there is a kind of a landscape that I'm moving across. So it becomes that interesting yeah. spatial puzzle as Isn't well it? as a worker placement game, um, which I really do appreciate. So this feels like a very, very well tested Swiss watch-up again that I could imagine in the future where like if we can't devote a whole day to War Boys an afternoon, we can quickly set this up and tear it down and feel like we've had a... That future will never happen, Chris. Of course it won't. On
2: my, on my word. No. It's always a full day or two evenings or an evening and a morning spread over two days. Yeah. Yeah. Dedicate.
0: I, I've I've never uh, partaken in, in War Boys and I've never really played any kind of war games. I think the closest I've come to a war game would be something like Escape from Coldits, which is not really a war You're game. You're a fighter, but it fighter. But, but it's set in yeah. the war. Um. And I've, I've always kind of looked at those kind of styles of games as being so expansive and the kind of game you take hours for and you spread out on a big table. And I know you play stuff like War of the Ring in the past and those kind of things. These these big oh, games, yeah. you take a long time to do it. Ugh. And so I, what I kind of want is obviously you you guys have dedicated a day every year to these types of games. So you clearly love these games. And the the if the kind of the concept and the ideas around them is this kind of Tactical, take your time, movement, placing—all this different stuff over a long period of time. What is it about this short, condensed version that is kind of bridging that gap? Kind of what it? How is it managing to accomplish the feelings that the bigger games are giving you, but without actually the kind of the space to breathe that those games have? Mm, interesting. I, I think I think it
2: is one of the. Um, what what you're mentioning and what you're talking about I think is probably my one of my favourite things about the game but also the thing about the game which kind of I would have a critique about at the same time. I think that the reason why it still feels like our war game is that you definitely feel like a general pushing around wooden pieces on a map to try and game a um an episode of of war and you definitely get that feeling of sort of taking that step back and the front cover of the of the game has you know a picture of a general looking over a mountain range with binoculars and you definitely get that feeling of you know you are sitting back you are looking at a war scene from a distance Compare that to something like Undaunted or something like V Commandos, where you are, you know, in the thick of it. You are the peep, the boots on the ground. You are moving individual pieces and making um, decisions in the moment, but from a individual or you know sort of um, personal perspective. That that's the that's where those the, the two sides of the coin sort of come from and but for me that's the thing that i don't like about general orders sometimes it's just it's just that feeling that starts to creep up and bubble inside me sometimes is that you know it feels a little bit too abstract sometimes especially around something like world war Two, and something around you know particularly mm. those two world wars when people like generals and people in positions of power were much criticised by the fact that they stood back they were watching things from afar and just pushed people into you know into sort of the abyss and to their doom and I think that compared to something like memoir 44 which has a similar sort of style of approach where in memoir 44 you you know you take on the the role of a general and you order specific pieces around the board I think the difference there is you actually have the pieces on the board you have the tanks you have the infantry you have the the soldiers that you can see being removed when when they get when they get um shot and killed and in general orders it's just a circular disc that you just take off the board so I think that that you're right in the the reason why it still feels like a war game and still fits into war boys is because it feels like something that genuinely would happen around this kind of war Um, but I think what I'm most looking forward to and I predict probably will happen is the fact that this game is General Orders colon World War 2 and I think that in the not, not too distant future we're going to get something of this ilk that has a different theme and I think that if they move away from particular world wars that this game will as a series will suddenly go up in my estimations i think not that it's particularly down at the moment i just think there's just a part of me that feels a little bit uncomfortable sometimes with yeah. with war games
1: of this particular style and we, we've spoken about this before sam because actually like i know we've spoken in the past that like having some misgivings i think is it memoir 44 which was i don't know if that's official or informally dubbed the the official board game of world war ii of the d-day landings like for me what i'm drawn to in terms of war games is it's it's the kind of theater of it really um in a very and what i mean by that is the sense that obviously war is the the, it's the quick the quickest and laziest way to get to conflict and conflict is where drama is bred essentially and 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 like there's there's no nuance in that really um, not to say there can't be and i think some of the best war games are the ones which actually as you say sam allow you to pause for thoughts and critique um and to kind of think about the individuals within it a la undaunted which is as you said the designers have done where you're not just getting rid of a card there's a name on that card yep and um, because of your mistake they're gone there yeah and they're not coming back and I'd be quite cu- curious to know if, if that came up in discussions, whether they wanted to try and emulate something like that in general orders or whether they felt that well, actually for 30, a 30-minute 30 game, that might not be something they could do. I don't know. I mean, you know, technically chess is a war game.
2: Yeah, I I know. mean, in the same way that general orders is, is that you're, you're, you're two competing people in an abstract setting and it's all about area control and it's all about getting pieces off the table um so i think that if you sort of really extrapolate it from that and maybe i'm overthinking it in to a certain degree in terms of that uncomfortable feeling i have when i when i play it from time to time considering there's games like chess or whatever which you know historically have sort of played off that that theme of war of two sides battling against each other but i think that what general orders is is doing specifically, I think it's trying to play a bit in that space of not necessarily creating a war game I think it's just creating a new abstract two player you know, experience and just war happens to be the theme. I I, I don't know I may be again reading too much into it but it's a bit like why do we always have a gun in computer games why is always the first instinct is that we have to shoot things in order to move through levels in quite a lot of video games it's just because it's kind of easy it's a shorthand it makes sense um it's just the the done thing and i think that uh, as well as the endaunted series which i think has just got better and better with each theme and oh, each yes. way that they've they've moved it forwards I think general orders will probably get better and better because I I think that it is just a really really tight game and a really really interesting experience and a really really interesting abstract two-player experience but for me now that theme is something that hopefully has the potential just to get better and better Would you like to play a game? Yes, yeah?
1: thank you. Yes, Mister
2: Robot. Have you have you been working working on that impression? Well, if you tell me what that impression is from, then um, you'll win the game. Is it War Games? Yeah. Well done, Dan. Well done. You win the game.
0: Wait. <laughs> um,
2: I thought this would be a I thought this would be a fun way to end the show. Um, if we played a game. Okay. Um, so I got sent this in the post today from our friends at Big Potato. And I must say this is the this is
0: the strangest game that they've ever sent me. Okay? And that's saying something considering they've released a game which is a rubber chicken and a rubber hot dog. Yeah. So, they sent me <laughs> they okay. sent me the world's smallest
2: really? box of Tic Tacs. Can you see that? I don't know yeah. What, yeah. what sort of size it's a, comparison it's a, it's a, it's a,
0: that is. It's a Probably the size of your thumb probably the yeah. size
2: of my thumb sounds like this and then they sent me this as well do you know what this is Oh, you that's know this is? you're holding it. oh it, it makes a sound oh is it like is it like a moo sound yeah this is the sound okay there you go so so, so this is this is their game right <laughs> that's that all they send you it's like we're running out of ideas <laughs> Can you just make something out of this <laughs> this <laughs> is a game called mints or mints okay so mints as in tic-tacs or mints as in Mm. cow or sheep or whatever that is right so what I want you two to do is I want you you to either say mints or mints and I've got to guess which one I think is which and I want to see how many I can get in a row (laughs)
0: okay how many are we doing each Sam?
2: well it depends until I get one wrong
0: okay okay this could either be a fantastic game or a terrible game. <laughs> so I'm going to close my eyes. In terms of the podcast, yeah, yeah, well, okay, yeah, it's rubbish for the
2: podcast, but you know, it's it's fun. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll close my eyes. I just want one of you to either say mints or mints, and I'll have to try. I'm going to try and guess which one was which. Okay, All right. Crackers, you
0: can go first. Okay, mints. Yeah yes okay mints uh, no it wasn't really that's what I heard oh my god right uh, l- let's do it again see in my head that was very clear there was a very clear T in that <laughs> that's very clear T alright okay let's see if I can get more than one okay
2: Okay. it's great for the listener play along at home right mints Er, uh,
1: correct mints Er, uh,
2: no, no. <laughs> oh, Dan If only the if only the listener
1: could have just see how poised you are, Sam. You you really debated then. It's <laughs> it more of a case of like a, a thought process of like, okay, what's Dan trying to do here? Is he try
0: right, okay, okay. Is he trying to give let, me
1: let, the hard this one? This is like horse or laminator from Taskmaster.
2: <laughs> right. Let's let's do it one last time. But Dan, you start. Okay, I think that's where I'm going wrong. Okay, okay. Okay.
1: Mints. Uh, yes. Okay. Mints. Uh, no. Oh. No.
0: I knew that was. I knew that was minty fresh. <laughs> Why can everyone else hear it except for me? Um. So
2: this is. <laughs> so, this is a this is an app you can download from Big Potato. Uh, you don't have to. <laughs> get the physical version which i don't think is actually retail i think this is a nice thing um that we were sent so thanks very much this now lives at my house um but you can just download it as an app and i think it's um utterly stupid and you know um but on a long car ride or something like that i can see it having quite a bit of application
0: I I don't know kind of the the process that the folks at Big Potato Games go through when they're kind of workshopping ideas behind games. But I like to think that this kind of game was them sat around like on sofas and then one of them just made a comment about the fact that mints and mints sound the same. One person started laughing. They started trying to play the game. Everyone started laughing. They went, all right, here's a game.
1: Inspired by Mints or Mints. I was wondering if there are other homonyms out there that would make also a good game. So two words that sound the same but spelt differently and have different meanings. So what's what's another equivalent of mints or mints?
0: Bar and bar. What as in like or like bar, yeah, yeah. Drink or, drink bar. Or a drink, yeah, or maybe like a a bar like a clanging bar kind of thing. So Something that you could oh, have can have
1: a Big, yeah. I mean, Big Potato, if you had to sign for an order of Big Potato, sent you a crowbar on <laughs> the <a> post, salmon. <laughs> And a... <laughs> I'm glad I'm not paying postage. Um,
2: you could have... You could have... Night or Night. Oh. See, that's, that's a, a good one. That's a good one. But I feel like what Mints and Mints has got
0: is that they're... I don't know why, but they're, they're funny words to say. Like, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. I think what's also quite funny <laughs> is the fact of there is the slightest difference. Like when you're saying it, you hear the yeah. difference.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That, and that thing, like night and night is the same sound. But mints with a T and mints with a C, there is the tiniest, tiniest difference that you as the person saying it knows if you've got any
2: suggestions for the people at Boo potato who are far cleverer than us um then um i'm sure they're happy to hear them i'm sure
1: um oh my gosh if we've still got a listener um, oh. at this stage <laughs> um it's a real shame because we've just made it easier for you listener to actually access all the things connected with oh, us yes. in one yep. handy place on our Instagram, which I think is fair to say is probably one of the only social media feeds at the moment that is not problematic as much. Uh, Um, uh, um, So if you go to our Staying In podcast page on Instagram, uh, you can find our pal Peter has put a little link tree in there, which takes you to places such as how you can listen to our podcast. Uh, Our Instagram is also on there if you just want to go back to it. Um, Our page on Board Game Geek is on there, where you'll find General Orders, as well as Davy Jones Locker, The Kraken Wakes. Our Steam Curator page is on there. Uh, We've not spoken about video games this episode, but all the ones we have spoken about are on there. And also, um, blowing my own trumpet here, our special playlists on Spotify are there as well, which traditionally are quite tricky to get hold of but everything we talk about that has uh, music connected to it so there'll be something from the Marvels on there um, will be in its own respective playlist and that is mm-hmm. depending on what kind of mood you're in really uh, the chamomile one seems to be the most popular one at the moment which is for more of a kind of chilled vibes um, if you're feeling if you've had a really tough day at work and you just want to vent I suggest Strong Brew
2: mm-hmm. a, cafe- and- a
1: much more caffeinated playlist
2: Yeah, and if you go to Instagram you can actually see photos of quite a lot of the stuff we've spoken about uh recently. So uh you can see pictures of Monster Twelve, Fly Home, which Chris you spoke about on the last episode. You can see pictures of me playing um from a game session I ran of Critical Sanctuary, some pictures of Jock Mark, um pictures from mine and Chris's War Boys. That's got pictures of Memoir forty-four, Hogs of War. And the aforementioned general orders, um, okay. and you can also see pictures of uh, our Twilight Imperium session. Quite a few pictures of of what it was like for us to Definitely. play Twilight Imperium as well. So, so yeah, so there's 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 tons of stuff on there uh, if you're interested to see okay. a bit more about what we get up to when we're not recording this, and. If you do have a suggestion, if there's something you think we should add to one of those lists, the curator pages or the um, the Spotify playlist, and do just let us know, stayinginpod at gmail.com, or just send us a DM. We've been getting some lovely DMs, haven't we,
1: Chris? Yeah. Um, oh, yes. I on want to Instagram. I'd love to do a little shout out, if I may. Please do. Um, thank you. Um, uh, how the hell do you get into your emails on this? Oh, just, yes, I've got them here. So um, I'd like to do a big shout-out to uh, Ben, who said that um, they really enjoyed the recommendation of Batman The Audio Adventures, which you can get on a podcast. We spoke about that on an episode. Um, he recommended us a podcast to listen to, a radio drama on Audible called Impact Winter. So that's one for Pete, who's got, who lives constantly on his Audible account. And yeah, they said some very nice words. They're very happy to hear that Peter Willington Investigates is back. And currently, that's why Pete's not here today. He's currently off investigating checking if any of the games in his house are actually authentic anyway that's it for now i think there's only one less thing to say go on is it mints or is it mints mints
0: no sam (laughs) No. no. all
1: right then